And they say Denzel Washington can't do comedy. <laughs> what do you mean? Some of his best movies are hilarious. Philadelphia. Oh, training. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. Man. Philadelphia. There's nothing funny about that. No, my God. Oh, there's also nothing funny about this piece of shit either. No, it's awful. No, but it had to be done. It did? Why? Well, because of the fucking birthday beer. Oh, we had to watch it. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. movie oh, yeah, did the movie not have to be No, it did not. No. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And uh, today we are going to be discussing Denzel Washington's greatest shame. What is widely considered the worst of all of Denzel Washington's movies. The 1990 comedy, I guess. I didn't really find it too, like, super comedy. Heart Condition. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a comedy. I guess so. They did not pull off the comedy notes very well. They did not. Uh, there are some moments where it's clear they're going for a comedy, and then others you would have no idea. No, it's like alternatingly like comedy, like standard cop thriller. Like there's some very dramatic elements in here. Uh, period racial drama almost. Like. If you were tuning into this in chunks, right? Or if you were just like tuning in on TV, you would have had no idea that it was a comedy movie, right? You would just be confused by some of the odd choices they make that do come off funny. Odd choices is putting it incredibly mildly as uh, everyone will find out as we go through this. If you haven't seen Heart Condition, don't. Maybe maybe don't. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're talking about how we feel bad for Denzel Washington for being this. What about poor Bob Hoskins? I feel less bad for Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't. I recognize Bob Hoskins, but I have no idea what else he's been in. Like uh, I who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so he is the same person who's the lead in Who Framed he, Roger. He's Rabbit. kind of playing the same character. Also. Yeah, that's just replace his racism towards black people with racism towards cartoons, and you've basically got the same thing. You're right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so. We chose this movie because you're matching up with my gift from our birthday episode. Yeah, so back in our Happy Birthday to Me episode back in October, we did our birthday gift exchange. I gave you a movie, the uh, hilariously disturbing Let My Puppets Come, which we did as a bonus <laughs> episode because it was so <laughs> disturbingly erotic. Uh, we could not in good conscience put it as a regular episode. And you gave me uh, this two-hearted ale from Bell's, which is uh, an American brewery. Yeah, so this beer I chose because... I know how much you love America. I do. Yeah. It's true. And this is my go-to American beer. And it's just an American IPA that I started drinking going down for baseball games or other times we would visit, and it blew me away. It was sort of one of the first IPAs I had had, and it hooked me. So anytime I go to the United States, I try to get it. And I even have a friend who lives in Michigan now who will bring it back when she comes home to visit. So it's always super appreciated. That's nice of her. Yeah, these are from her, so I want to thank her for these. Very good. Yeah. Yes, thank you, mysterious, unnamed. Uh, you don't have to name those. Yeah, fine. we don't know yeah. if she wants to be in the podcast. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> she knows who she is, and Fair we appreciate enough. her. Definitely. Um, well, the the Two-Hearted Ale name matching up with this movie, because as we're going to find out, the <laughs> I, can't even, I almost can't even explain uh, this, but Bob Hoskins plays a racist police officer, we kind of hinted at. Denzel Washington plays a black criminal attorney. And by that, I mean like an attorney for criminals. We get the impression he's kind of crooked in this. Bob Hoskins ended up having a massive heart attack and needs a transplant. And conveniently enough, Denzel Washington just happens to die like right then. 
and they transplant his heart into Bob Hoskins' body, and hilarious racial comedy ensues. (laughs) So the reason it connects is we have someone who's gotten his second heart. Yeah, two-hearted. Yeah, and now we're going to enjoy this beer uh, and talk about this uh, disaster of a movie. I was going to say, the beer can't be worse than the fucking movie, so, you know. no, no, this beer is wonderful. I'm going to rave about it the whole time. Well, and but not only a beer, we've got a second beer also. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. That's right, so uh, I thought... As a treat, you should have both the double two-hearted ale, which is the double IPA, and the regular two-hearted ale. So we're going to get a a chance to enjoy both today. I mean, I don't know how I feel about the double two-hearted ale, uh, but I guess we'll get into it. Right now, let's start with the original then. You want to do the regular? The uh, Yeah, okay. okay. We'll ramp it up as we go. Sounds good. Okay. What a good idea. All right, let's try it. To start the movie off, we hear some female laughter and what sounds like blues piano over the credits. And the first thing we see is some kind of sex party. There is a woman taking photographs of two naked people wearing what look like some kind of tribal masks and smoking something. Crack? Is it crack? I think it's crack. Well, either way, this doesn't exactly scream comedy, especially when the guy keels over from a heart attack. I was... So, very quickly, I'm like... Knowing that this movie is a movie where someone gets somebody else's heart, I was like, is it happening already? This guy's getting the heart? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, they did not waste much time. There are a large amount of heart attacks in this movie now that I think about it. Yeah, you found a good connection here. This one's an overdose, though, I believe. And the next thing we see is a car pulling up to a big house. And as some guys clean up the crime scene, we learn that this dead party guy is actually a senator. From there, we cut to angry Bob Hoskins just demolishing a burger and making outlandish claims that Kurt Rambis was the key to the success of the Showtime Lakers. So we quickly learn that he's racist and doesn't know shit about basketball. (laughs) Fucking Rambis? Come on. They're really playing up the unhealthy lifestyle here. Like the burger he's mowing down on. the He's got a beer and a paper bag while he's on duty. And he's smoking. Like you never see him without a cigarette in his hand. It's the heart attack trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. His partner even comments on this also. His partner, by the way, is the guy from Total Recall who sells Arnold Schwarzenegger on the secret agent package. Oh, He's yeah. He's fucking Bob from Recall. You're yeah. right. That's cool. I lost all respect for him right then. Just, I was like, <laughs> this is not, not going to be good. Uh, they're both cops, and they're running a sting on some prostitutes. When the fresh-faced piece of hooker bait they send out gets one in the boat, they head over to make the bus, but on the way, Hoskins' character, Jack Mooney, sees his arch enemy driving the other way and peels off to follow him. That would be Napoleon Stone, played to his eternal regret by Denzel Washington. (laughs) Yeah, so this is where we see immediately that Hoskins is a loose cannon, right? He's supposed to be following uh, his colleague who has a... Uh, Lady of the Night in his car, right? They put on that sting. I actually thought at first that uh, the young guy in the car was going to be the person getting busted and that the woman would have been the cop. I thought they were going to do the reverse sting here, but uh, I was wrong on that one. Oh, no, they got the the young guy wired up and they've sent him in there to to go fishing and he succeeds. But now there'll be no one there to make this boss. He's going to get blown by this prostitute while he waits for someone else to show up? Yes. That's what, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. I think yeah. he ends up marrying her or they're together no, at the that, end. that's not correct. Uh, no fucking way. They're together in the final scene. I don't scene. believe you. 
I don't want to go back and look. Yeah, they're together in the final scene of this movie. We're going to rehash this when we get to the end. So we see him leave what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, this is where we learn that not only is Napoleon Stone a lawyer who protects some of the city's biggest criminals, but that he also stole Mooney's woman. Now, uh, do you think it took a lot of work for fucking Denzel Washington to steal Bob Hoskins' lady, or was that a hard sell for her? No, I don't think so. I mean, Bob Hoskins is significantly shorter, significantly older and fatter. Also hairier. We see later on he's topless. Much, and my God, much hairier. He's got body hair for days. And Denzel does make a whole lot more money. Oh, that's for sure. We find that out later also. They follow Stone to what looks like a bar or restaurant where he picks up the two women from that sex party gone wrong. The women are extremely intoxicated, and when he ends up backhanding one of them, Hoskins loses his shit. He runs out of the car and just starts shooting at him. Yeah, I was blown away here. I mean, clearly this is the woman that they both loved. We kind of get some of that backstory on the drive over there. But why the fuck would he shoot his gun into the car where she is? But also, like, without being like, stop, police just fucking start shooting. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, no, he clearly doesn't care at all about uh, his job or anything, right? He's just making completely insane decisions, which probably happens if you're a police officer who drinks on the job. Well, we'll get to that later as well, but this dude's your classic, like, cop movie burnout. They end up in a foot race, which Hoskins has no business winning, but he manages to stick with Denzel long enough to almost see him dispose of the drugs the women had. And when Denzel is stopped by two plainclothes officers, Mooney stumbles up and knees him in the balls. Footnote, this chase music they played here is absolutely awful. (laughs) I actually underlined the music in the background too because it was so bad. This is something the movie does a lot to try to add drama is they put really poor music in the background of the chaser action scenes. This is like a guy scatting though. It wasn't even like, (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Really bad stuff. And I don't know. So yeah, Denzel is able to dump the drugs that were on the women. Uh, He does get kneed in the dick. And they arrest him. Does that mean Denzel's in trouble here? Oh, not at all. Because Hoskins also calls him the N-word, which, when coupled with all of the other flagrant violations of police protocol, causes his captain to literally laugh in his face. Made the arrest. (laughs) You may squat, Mooney. And I am sick and tired of your street cowboy attitude and your racist bullshit. But let me try and get through to you, Mooney. There are those of us who can say the N-word. And there are those of us who cannot. (laughs) He also suspends him indefinitely, so turn in your badge and gun. Now, I was a bit uncomfortable with the N-word convo they have. I mean... All I I know is Bob Hoskins shouldn't be saying that word. His captain's right about that. Hoskins is not the guy. We shouldn't have any voice in it. Um, And uh, But yeah, Bob Hoskins certainly should not be using it. No. Now, this is the point where we find out that one of those two party girls is, in fact, Sergeant Mooney's ex-girlfriend. She's a hooker, I guess. Now, tell me this. What the hell is handsome Denzel Washington, a lawyer no less, doing dating this prostitute? Like, of all the unbelievable things in this movie, this, to me, might be the most unbelievable. I mean, you're saying this is more unbelievable than him having a heart attack and then getting his sort of arch enemy's heart put into him at the exact time he needs it? This is more unbelievable than him being haunted by the ghost of the guy whose heart he gets. This is ridiculous. There's no fucking chance. Uh, You're right. It is baffling. You kind of understand why she gets with Mooney because he gets her off the street. I think it was part of his job. He finds her and then he takes her home to try to sort of save her. Why she ends up with Denzel, the only explanation we can get, and this comes from his mother, is that he just liked to lay pipe all over town. 
<laughs> no, I know, but like, I guess that's true. That, that explains why he was willing to. Yeah, he his, doesn't uh, care who it is, and it's not like <laughs> it's not like she lives with him or like they have a like lasting relationship. No, but later on, he says he wishes he should have married her. Like, what on earth? I don't uh, know what it is about this well, woman. They're he just only like, he only says he should have married her because he didn't wear a Jimmy. Whoa! Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> Let's wait for that. Anyway, she walks over to Mooney, and after an emotional exchange, she slips him a roll of film and tells him to develop it if anything ever happens to her. Now, we head back home with Sergeant Mooney, and because he's a cop in a movie, we see that his place is a shithole, his life is in shambles, and he drinks bourbon straight from the bottle. Yeah, being a cop is hard. That's what I've learned from this podcast. Every fucking cop movie, they're just a burnout. They're barely holding it together. Every movie we've watched with cops, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Those cops have always just been tortured souls who are like complete alcoholics. All of their relationships have fallen apart. Definitely, as if things couldn't get any worse, he suddenly suffers a massive heart attack. Now, they try a little wordplay at the hospital as the doctor, surprised at Mooney's lack of physical fitness, confirms with his partner that he was, in fact, a cop. The partner says, yeah, vice. And when the doctor asks how he managed to get in this bad condition, the partner again says, vice. (laughs) I thought that was kind of cute. That's kind of funny. There was a little bit in there. There's some wordplay in this movie that was clever, and then there was a lot of use of words that were not. No, and we'll see that very soon. Um, Unfortunately for Sergeant Mooney, his heart is so bad that without a transplant, he's a dead man. Fortunately for Sergeant Mooney, at that exact moment, a donor just happens to get wheeled into the hospital. It is really funny, the timing, because the doctors have pretty much written him off. They're basically like, this guy's toast. Yeah, if he's got a heart in the next 15 seconds, he's fucking dead. And then it shows <laughs> so up, happens. and yeah, you're exactly. like, oh my goodness. Now, his heart doctor, this is a, a throwback to Showgirls? You recognize the name? Yeah. I know. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I found out, yes, it is, uh, what's his fucking name? Oh, God, Tony something? Tony yeah, Moss. Tony Moss. He's the producer fuck in Showgirls. Yes. Yeah, in- Best part of Showgirls. Yeah, I thought it was funny that we saw him pop in here. Great again. connection. Now, apparently this heart donor died in a car crash, although you'd never know it because when they pull back the sheet to reveal the dead body, we see the perfectly preserved face of Denzel Washington, not a scratch on him. Yeah, no, clearly this car crash only affected his lower half. And by that, you mean like waist down. Yeah. His heart's perfect. Oh, yeah. 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 There are coincidences, and then there are coincidences, and then there's this lazy bullshit. Come on. <laughs> Is this more or less lazy than so many of the coincidences in Karate Kid 2? It's pretty fucking lazy. I'd watch Karate Kid 2 a thousand times before I watch this piece of shit again. <laughs> yeah, we, this is worse. This is just insane. Worse. I can't believe they made that choice. I can't believe Denzel Washington. Well, we'll see. Yeah, uh, how did he sign up for this? I don't know. He yeah. wasn't the star yet. We dissolve from a close-up of Denzel's face to a close-up of Bob Hoskins' face. It's six weeks later, and as he opens his eyes for the first time, he is greeted by the sweet sounds of four of his police friends badly singing and the sweet sight of a giant black t- sticking up from between his legs as you can imagine this does not go well <laughs> i i kind of laughed but i felt bad at laughing at this scene it was one of those where it was funny to see those four men doing that and then to see him wake up um the racism part of it is is not as funny but uh you know he's furious he is such a racist that he actually wants the doctors to remove the heart that is keeping him alive they really play on this over the next little bit here like, it's the next whole bunch of scenes are just everyone making black jokes at him. It's true. I All I could think this whole time was, oh, my God, he's going to be so upset when Denzel Washington's ghost starts haunting him. <laughs> it's, like, it's the worst thing. I had forgotten almost that that was going to happen at this yeah. point. I was just kind of groaning at all of the making fun of him for having a black heart. Yeah, well, he's got so much to be upset about here uh, because he's too physically fragile to do his old job setting up busts and running down criminals. 
So he's going to be married to his desk from here on out. But as you pointed out, he's lucky enough to have coworkers who are warm and compassionate and don't do things like leave copies of Ebony magazine in his desk and say nice tan to him. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking bad. Oh, my God. Those, you know what, though? No. Yeah. Fuck this guy. He deserves this. I hope he's as uncomfortable as possible. Well, I mean, I agree. Because of who he is and the way he's acted, he does deserve this. But it's not right what the others are doing either. No, it's not right. Yeah. Someone makes a, a comment that he didn't just do a black heart. He also might have received a black d- Yeah. Um. The one thing I wanted to bring up here, and I had it in my notes, was did you notice that there were a lot of sound effects used in this movie? For comedy. Yeah. They're used for comedy. Yeah. So there's very little comedy so far. Oh, my God. There's, like, none. Like, none. Unless you count the whole black d- though, and the Yeah, some magazine very thing. poor, like... Crude racist comedy. I laughed at the Ebony magazine. I didn't even laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. That is a funny way. If yeah. you have a coworker who's racist, putting that, that stuff in his funny. desk yeah, yeah. will get a rise yeah. out of him. Like that's that is to me. funny. But the sound effects they throw in to make things like be funny were so bad. It's it, hacky. It's just hacky. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you say he's out of Roger Rabbit, it reminds me of that. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> this is like they were trying to throw to that. <laughs> yeah, Which man, movie definitely. came first? <laughs> oh, I think Hoover and Roger Rabbit came first. Yeah, but I could be wrong. That's what this sounds like. They're trying to take some of that and put that in here to make it kind of fun. I don't know. Maybe. Well, this new lifestyle is going to be an adjustment, but not one that he seems willing to make. As the next time we see him, he's smoking a cigarette online at a greasy burger stand. He sits down and is about to take a giant bite when all of a sudden his hands get slapped by a familiar sounding man. Yeah. It's the um, ghost of Denzel Washington. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> It's the ghost of Denzel Washington. And we now get some physical comedy where they're grappling over the cheeseburger, except nobody can see Denzel. So it just seems like Bob Hoskins is dancing around with the fucking burger. I thought it was interesting they didn't try to ghostify him at all. Denzel? No, he's just like he's there. So yeah, he's it's just, just there, Denzel yeah. there. And it was actually kind of funny. Oh, the cheeseburger dude. dance. It was it was bad. It was over the top physical comedy. And this is the only thing that does add the comedy in here are those moments where the police character is like fighting himself and dancing and talking to himself. But they yeah. only show that sometimes. We've got Denzel here back as a ghost. Haunting him. We got some physical comedy. And I'm starting to ask some questions. My first question is... How did they convince Denzel to do this? So I will answer that question for you. Basically, this was early on in Denzel Washington's career. Now, ironically, the movie that he won his first Oscar for, Glory, he had filmed it. They had finished filming. It had not come out yet. He starts filming this movie. Glory comes out, gets crazy award buzz. He ends up winning the Oscar for it. And like a month afterwards, this comes out. So he's got like all this fucking hype. He's now Academy Award winning. It bumps him up like several levels. And yes. all of a sudden, your next movie is this piece of shit. How much would he have paid to have this not come out? He didn't have enough money at the time. Yeah, I, I know. I wouldn't say, yeah. That probably happens, right? I, I wonder if that does. Maybe there's those kind of moments where oh, people... Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's movies that have been shelved because people don't want to pay for it. In fact, fuck, we should watch this at some point. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Okay. Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger are in it. Wait, Renee Ooh. Zellweger? Matthew McConaughey and somebody, maybe it's Renee Zellweger. Either way, like apparently their agents famously tried to block it coming out because they had become, like he became a big star from Days and Confused. Yes. And they were like, we can't put this shit out. It's going to send him backwards. Yeah. Interesting. So Denzel, uh, perhaps if he had had the ability at the time, but it would have put a stop to this. Um, Famous rumors that he fired his agent after this movie, which probably I would deserve it. Yeah. yeah, 100% deserve it. Yeah. Um, this seems to have really bad edits. 
It's not a well-made movie. Okay. Like, like, would you think this movie was better pre-edit? No, I no. don't think. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there was enough here. In All fact, right. a lot of cases, a lot of times you see movies where they try and like save it via editing. I could see them trying to save this via editing and it's right. not it being insalvageable. I have one last question for Go you. Go for it. Did M. Night Shyamalan steal the idea for Sixth Sense from this movie? You know what? If I would be more inclined to say yes, if it turned out that Haley Joel Osment was like a racist child. <laughs> If he was, if he was like, yeah. just completely yep. like belligerent, uh, inappropriate. If it job, had been yeah. Samuel L. Jackson in the Bruce Willis role, yeah, I would be inclined to say yes. Okay, all right, but it certainly is possible. Like I'm sure, you know, maybe this had a little bit of an influence. This on was <laughs> you <laughs> fucking love shitting on M Night Shyamalan. I know. I feel like if there was one person in Hollywood, if they listened to our podcast, who would like come after me, it would be him. Um, and uh, he deserved it. That's fine. It'd be that for you, and for me, it would be the estate of Tony Scott coming after me for fucking Top Gun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they owe me a ball kicking. They owe me a kicking the balls from our Top Gun episode, episode fifty. Yeah, that's true. So everywhere. Sergeant Mooney goes, there's Denzel Washington criticizing his choices, telling Mooney there's no getting away from him. And this is our premise to the movie. It turns out that Denzel didn't die in a car crash. He was murdered. Uh-oh. Who would go after him? Who would want him dead? Well, we're going to find out later on. But the point is, Sergeant Mooney has to now investigate his murder to hopefully free himself of Denzel the ghost. Yeah, because Denzel's not going to let it go until he does. Clearly not. I'm pretty sure Mooney tries to ignore him for a little bit, and this doesn't go well. Oh, he thinks he's just crazy. He goes to see his doctor who prescribes him with some tranquilizers. But no matter where he goes, there's the ghost of Denzel confronting him with harsh realities like this one. Personally, I think that this racism stems from feelings of inadequacy. I mean, you look at me, what do you see? Someone college-educated, damn good-looking, hung like a Shetland pony, and you feel threatened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's some confidence. I mean, I don't think ghost dongs do what real flesh dongs do, so, I mean... I have no idea. I mean, the only person you can make physical contact with is Bob Hoskins, so unless, you know, (laughs) it takes a real turn. Maybe Bob could find out. Maybe that's how they solve this, like, racial divide. They just With Denzel Washington's giant... (laughs) Scott, <laughs> what a weird thing to put in here. They are going at strange comedy, right? Like they're yeah. not they're not they're not digging deep here. They're not trying to go for depth. They're throwing all the comedy is surface and not very well thought out. You know what is digging deep is giant fucking <laughs> <laughs> You love that he said he had a Shetland pony cut. Aren't those like miniature ponies though? I, I don't know. Is that a, <laughs> is, isn't a Shetland pony a did small you, pony? Did you Google Shetland pony penis? I'm fucking to going see. to. Yeah, well, right. no, hang on. I'm going to Google Shetland pony. I'm going to Google Shetland pony penises. Uh, <laughs> they, they, You're just going to zoom in on dongs. I know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> they, uh, they also have a talk about Mooney's diet. It's real bad. And their shared history with Crystal, that's the girl they both dated, and Ghost Denzel thinks that her pimp might have played a role in his death. Her possibly being in danger is enough to get Sergeant Mooney on board, and after a quick ghost knee to the balls, they're off to look for her. Denzel needs him in the balls to, uh, you know, even up from before. Yeah, I mean, we know that the cop deserved it, so it's okay. 100%. Now, their first stop is Denzel's house, which is part of a very expensive development. So expensive, in fact, that Mooney spends several minutes doing mental calculations trying to figure out what Stone was making in a year. This was not particularly funny. No, no, it's weird. I don't know if the comedy's trying to get at how much a lawyer makes versus a police officer um, or what, but it, it was pretty poor. Um, I didn't enjoy this part of it. Uh, we get to the house, and what's going on there? 
Well, they're getting rid of all this stuff because he's passed away. Obviously, no offspring that we know of. Yeah, so we find out that his mother has sort of taken on his estate and she's decided to sell everything off. And how does uh, Ghost Denzel feel about this? Oh, he doesn't like it. But his mother, just a lovely church-going woman, those are his words. Mooney, uh, kind of a heartfelt scene here between the two of them. She's there to kind of provide us with some emotional investment in Denzel's character. See, he was going to settle down and give her some grandchildren, he swears. But uh, she thinks this was all just a hump pad. Yeah. <laughs> that, phrase, that phrase made me chuckle. I think that she calls the house a pad and his bedroom a hump pen. So she really likes the word hump, which is hilarious. She gives him the Rolodex. Yeah, with all of his contacts, because yeah. we know he was a little bit dirty. Well, and because this is his lead to finding Crystal. There's people who might listen to this podcast who don't even know what a Rolodex is. So funnily enough, I uh, have you ever watched Ozark? Uh, no, I know it. Jason Bateman show, yep. but I, I haven't watched it. So I've recently been re-watching it because season four just came out a little while ago, or I guess a couple months ago now. And uh, in it, his son finds a Rolodex. He doesn't know what it is. He refers to it as a paper wheel. <laughs> yeah. A paper wheel. I mean, you don't need to put your contacts in, on pieces of paper that are alphabetized anymore, right? So it makes sense. They're, they'd all just be in a phone. But it's funny how valuable those were in the past. Well, and it's valuable here for Mooney because he manages to get a hold of Crystal's pimp, the mysterious Graham. That's also the man responsible for uh, Stone's murder. They have a quick phone conversation that basically confirms everything Denzel has been saying. So this guy is going to be the target. Yeah, this is who they think really is their key to everything. So they're going to go find him and see what they can figure out. Yeah, but if he's going to infiltrate this guy's social circle, Mooney's going to need a little bit of money. So after stopping by the police station to grab some intel, he heads off to a bowling alley where Denzel has stashed some cash. This is a black bowling alley, which Mooney is surprised exists. I didn't know you did this. Yeah, and we swim too. It's called Hollywood Lanes, and you get in there, and it's got a very sort of 80s hip-hop vibe, 80s, 90s hip-hop For vibe sure, in there. Yeah. You've got some good music going. They're loving the bowling. Does he feel particularly welcome there? Hoskins? Oh, my God, no, <laughs> not even a little bit. They hit him up with the, like, two-beer minimum rule, and he has to do that. And Denzel's trying to, like, steer him by, like, mentioning some names and trying to give him intel, but he's a little bit behind the times. Now, Denzel is also surprised in this scene, not by the fact that black people bowl, but that his friends not only knew about his stash of money, but they've been skimming off it for a little while now. And it's not even just his friend. I think it's his brother. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like he's using brother in like the like colloquial term that like so, black people sometimes use to refer to like my brother. You know what I mean? I was debating that myself. I had this internal debate and I really felt like that person, he was considering his actual literal brother. I would love to do a deep dive and find out, but I don't <laughs> want to spend any more time <laughs> with this movie. No. But it's funny, yeah. So his brother takes the money from our police friend and tells him he's not going to be walking away with it. And then what's the response here? Well, he gets it back. Bob Hoskins gets it back. Was well, there a d punch in here? There is. And there's a need guy in the d I don't... Oh, maybe. Does yeah, he? yeah. There oh, is yeah. at the end. There is a d punch. I think he threatens to charge them all with some kind of felony, right? Yeah, There's, because the money is like, it's part of a criminal investigation yeah. or something. So, so he takes it away as evidence, he says. He knees a guy in the d 
runs out the door, and they chase him with bowling balls. They do, but he does manage to get out of there. They are rocking his car back and forth for a while, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and, and, and what makes it funnier is his police friends are concerned about him. Yeah, they're tailing him yeah, because they're, they're like, him. what the fuck is up with him? He's gone crazy. This does not help in the situation. <laughs> it does not. But he manages to pull away. They pull the car out. So now they've at least got enough money to get close to Graham. But before that can happen, we need a makeover montage. Yeah. Yeah. This is Mooney exercising, getting a haircut and a shave, a little Manny Petty action, some new clothes. This is a real pretty woman moment. I'm assuming your favorite part of the whole movie. I mean, you know that I love montages. I do. Right? Everyone this knows is, that. Yeah. Well, I know. At this point, I need a shirt that says more montages or something. Um, yeah, I do enjoy this. I like it. I think this part here where Denzel is trying to clean him up is actually the best of the comedy we get. <laughs> it probably is. Right? Yeah, like, I'm not going to argue is, with you. This is the best of this movie. When they spin him around in that barber chair, he looks 10 years younger. Like, legit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all need to take care of ourselves. That was the <laughs> <laughs> life lessons from heart condition. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. So, uh, this happens. Then we get another conversation about Crystal between Mooney and Stone. And then it's time for a little dinner date. Mooney tries to get some information about Graham while also wooing Crystal back with a little help from Denzel's ghost. Stone steers him through the conversation and how to order. And it's a good thing, too. This menu in this place is extremely high end. The wine list is written on a Japanese fan. We're getting back to problems that we might have seen in Karate Kid here. We're making fun of accents. Oh, yeah, the waiter language. has an accent, so racist Bob Hoskins just starts laughing at him. And that somehow brings him and Crystal closer together. Well, she's also laughing at him, yeah, yeah so uh, apparently she's not uh, totally... So they both have that, but here. so things are going okay, but then he decides, or Denzel decides, he needs to have a conversation with him, so he pulls him to the washroom. <laughs> have a washroom conversation, where again... This is just like, this is all the comedy that can fit in this movie. Bob Hoskins is fucking yelling at Denzel. Of course, there's a guy in there like cleaning himself up. He doesn't, he can't see Denzel. So he thinks Bob Hoskins is a crazy man yelling to himself in the fucking shitter. Well, and a lot of these jokes are up related, right? Like he's screaming about not blowing it. The whole yeah, conversation double entendres, is double entendres, just right? Sloppy double entendres. Yeah. It's not well written, but that's no. sort of where we're going for on this one. It is. Mooney and Crystal eventually decide to head somewhere a bit more low-key. It's a dingy pool hall where they end up making out before heading back to his hotel room. She walks out of the bathroom wearing the same lingerie she was wearing the night the senator died. And after some tender hand-holding, they bang while the ghost of Denzel Washington watches them in the nearby chair and aggressively j***s off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding about that last part, but he does watch the whole time, which yeah. I'm surprised Hoskins was able to perform. Like, do you think you could have sex if a ghost who had banged your wife was watching and that ghost was hung like a Shetland pony? <laughs> I mean, Probably not, right? <laughs> I mean, you'd give it a college try, I guess. I don't know what else to do there. He, he was just in, shut your eyes so tight and yeah. just go to work? He was in love with this woman. He doesn't really care if the ghost is there or not. The ghost isn't going to be performing any uh, sex acts on her anytime soon. I mean, Denzel does them a courtesy by not talking. Like, I feel like if he had said some things... It <laughs> well, it's funny. Been... I think he does it to spite Denzel, right? Denzel's getting jealous here. He doesn't like that... He not happy in the chair, no. No, he doesn't like that this is working. He doesn't like that Crystal is actually into our police officer here. Now, if you're the ghost, do you look away or do you watch? I mean, if you're a ghost, you're watching. You watch everything. Uh, <laughs> I love I love his quote, though. I love what Denzel says to him after they're finished. You stayed in the living room. Of course. You think I can learn anything watching a white boy, huh? According to Chris, you can. <laughs> uh, I think that's an idea for M. Night. 
we can we can make that his next uh, sort of theme in his movie. <laughs> yes, please. We're going to revisit. It's going to be Seventh Sense, and it's going to be ghosts. Just coming. pervert ghosts just yeah, constantly ghosts watching all the yeah. time. Once all the You're commotion- welcome, M. Night. <laughs> <laughs> Once all of this commotion has died down, Denzel presses Mooney to get the information about Graham from Crystal, and he tries, but that sets her off, thinking that he was just pumping her for information. Yeah. She runs away, and he chases her, <laughs> but when he breaks into the valet box to get the keys to his new Mercedes, forgot to mention that during the little montage there, his old partner walks up with some other cops and brings him into the station so the captain can ask some questions. Questions like, where'd you get all that money, and why are you shouting at thin air like a crazy person? He doesn't have to take this. He's out of here. He knows his badge and gun are gone, but he doesn't care. He's going to solve this because it's going to help Crystal. Apparently, yeah, somehow the captain just lets him skate on all these questions. But he's going to have some obstacles because the money's gone and they've scared off Crystal. So he has to figure out his next move. Luckily, Bob Hoskins' cat picks that exact moment to paw at the rolls of film in his goldfish bowl, which reminds him about that film Crystal gave him. You know, on the night they're trying to figure out more about. Yeah, this was a Karate Kid 2 groaning moment, right? This is one of those so obvious to the plot uh, needs to happen kind of moments. Just fucking perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... They set this up by making the cat go through that bowl earlier in the film, but you're just waiting for this to happen. This one is like your audience is stupid as fuck, so we need to show them (laughs) how to do it moments. Well, if you think that's bad, just wait till the next fucking day when he's walking along the beach with Denzel's ghost when he just happens to bump into Crystal. What a crazy coincidence. No, no, he went to that beach on purpose, though. What? Are you sure? Yep, they even have a conversation about it. And you're paying way more attention than I was. I was was trying. I was trying. It was hard, (laughs) but I was trying. So he recognizes that the sand on her feet from when they were f***ing had... (laughs) Come on, man. No, he does. He straight up says that the sand on their feet from when they're f***ing had this sort of black tar that was only reminiscent of this one beach in the area. Oh, it's a point break thing. He Gary Busey's her. Exactly. They find find the beach from Point Break. They find the beach just like in Point Break. Oh, my God. Look what we've just learned about Point Break. Oh, this Nemnite Stolen from heart condition. So he follows her and once again tries to get information, but he ends up getting more than he bargained for when he finds out that she has a kid, a black kid. This raises several questions for me. First of all, this kid is like a year old. So how the fuck did Mooney not notice that the woman he's been obsessed with for years was pregnant? Well, because he had so much time to recover from the heart surgery. It was not fucking nine months. Stop it. It was. Plus, it was time to lose a bit. No. Yeah, yeah. No, they say six weeks later. No, 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 no. He, they, those he guys wake him up really six weeks later. Time. I promise you. It's not, a fucking, it's not a fucking year. But he had to go through 10 months of rehab before they release him back into the Dude, police department. there's no fucking chance he wouldn't notice. Stop it. Okay, also, also, putting that aside for now. All right, all right, all right. How exactly did she afford to have this child? She's a hooker presumably this would have laid her up for a while. I'm not sure her pimp would have gone for it. Also, can you hook while pregnant? But this is this is what's happening, right? The reason why she still has money and she's still there at her pimp's house, this is where they've, they are, right? They're at the pimp's house now, is they because are. she has evidence hidden away of the senator's murder. She's blackmailing him to keep them in a safe place. I cannot believe you defend this movie, but defend this. This is L.A. in the late 80s, pretty much the height of the AIDS epidemic, and Denzel Washington's out here rocking hookers? Come on. (laughs) Dude, there's no fucking way. I mean, it's not a good choice. His mom talks about some of his sexual escapades in their In the hump pad. 
in the hump pad. And uh, <laughs> she warned him to maybe wrap it up a little bit. But uh, in the end, he died by a car accident. So it doesn't matter. You think he had AIDS when he died? I'm Is not going to speculate <laughs> That's whether he had yeah. AIDS or not. HIV positive, uh, Napoleon Stone dies in car crash. We're not going there. We're not going to draw humor out of that. I did make a Philadelphia joke earlier. You sure which was That's <laughs> on you. That's gone. on you. You were bringing us back there, and I'm uncomfortable with it, if I'm going to be honest. Well, as you can imagine, uh, Mooney takes this well. No, I'm just kidding. The next time we see him, he's speeding down the highway, chugging bourbon from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, this is intense. The guy's got a bottle of Jim Beam, and he's just going chugging to town it. on it. Oh, yeah. my God. The oh. cop is driving while chugging Jim Beam on a California highway. He pulls off and then goes into the most racist tirade of the entire movie. Well, yeah, he's going for an introspective beach stumble. And when he's confronted by Denzel's ghost, he fires off a nonsensical rant about how this is all a black conspiracy. And he has another heart attack. This whole scene is rough. Yeah, so they've portrayed him as a racist in this. And there's been moments where he's said stuff that's clearly not okay. But up until here, they have really kind of built him as a likable person who was oh, trying to help people. Oh, I disagree, dude. You He's not likable. No, I don't think he on. is, but they are trying to build sympathy with him. He loses it all right here. Everything, anything they built up here, when he starts talking about a black conspiracy and goes on that highway tirade before having a heart attack, that's gone. These are the demented ramblings of a crazy person. Yes. And he is in bad shape here, so he starts trying to work the phones to convince his cop friends that the senator died of an OD and that Graham is responsible, but they all pass on helping him, except for the fresh-faced kid from that hooker bust at the beginning. I guess because, as we mentioned, he got a little service from the lady before they arrested her. Moody threatens to tell his mom, so he's on board <laughs> with this. Now, we, we kind of have to say, and we skimmed over this, he survives that heart attack. On he's the in the hospital when he's making these calls. Yeah, 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 he goes to the hospital. He does survive it. They do a white light moment, though, where you think he's dead. They won't kill this fucking guy. Yeah. There's all these times when he should be dead. And more coming, by the way. Yeah, I kind of wish he was, but that's okay. So, yes. So, he convinces this fresh-faced police officer with a little bit of blackmail here to help him out and try to figure this out. Yeah, and this guy agrees, but he also tells Mooney that Crystal reached out. She called the station, and they told her to call him at home. So, Mooney calls his answering machine from the hospital and somehow is able to hear his messages, which... Did that technology exist at this point? His machine just looked like one of those old cassette tape jobs. Yeah, I think at some point in the 80s, and I think this is supposed to be in the 90s now, right? Or the, it came out in 1990s. It was like yeah, filmed in 89. That was a possibility. You could call into those and they would replay them for you. I don't know, man. Maybe. Uh, the message tells him that Graham wants the pictures. He's got her and Denzel's baby. And if Mooney doesn't meet them in 40 minutes, something bad is going to happen and come alone. So despite being barely able to walk after a second massive heart attack, he escapes the hospital with some help from Denzel and races to the meeting spot. What a hilarious fucking movie we have here. Just a classic comedy. It's ins- what is I'd happening I'd put it right here? up there with Airplane. Yeah, yeah. it's just, not a comedy at all. Just giggles all the way along this. It is a thriller cop movie with some very lame attempts at comedy throughout. Not comedy-esque at all. Nope. We're getting a very... 80s music and pace to this thing we are we're gearing up for like a dramatic conclusion and luckily for mooney his partner who now fully believes what he said about the senator is racing to the meet point also along with the fresh-faced kid he's nervous they might get in trouble but mooney's partner tells him being a cop is like being a pitcher Dolnik. 
You want your strikes? You gotta risk your ball. And I, that feels like a fairly strained metaphor to me, but whatever. This is a throwback to a very early thing that Mooney says to him. So he is he's sort of paying that one back. It is a stretched metaphor for sure, right? but yeah. yeah, they're definitely trying to come full circle in the writing here. It is interesting that we have a ghost and a man who are both in love with the same woman going to try to rescue her. And again, I say, why? What is it about this woman? They have a conversation in the car ride about how they both should have married her. I'm like, what the fuck? Nothing they've shown us has made me believe she is anything special. Worth I know, not one, I but know, two men yeah. being like, oh, she's the sunshine's ever fucking ass. I know she's not Elizabeth Shue. Like, <laughs> I'm aware not. of that, right? Yeah, she's no, not she Elizabeth not. Shue, right? She's she's not that. But they're they're moving forward. They're both working together now. Like this is all they in. Are. They're both gonna save her. They're gonna save his child. They hope so. And th- they arrive at the meeting place. It's a bombed out old beach house. And with only 12 minutes of movie left, I'm starting to think we might have the same kind of like rust resolution we did with the Karate Kid Part 2. I will say this though. Great strategy here as Ghost Denzel walks ahead through the house to scout out where everyone is and let Mooney know. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine all police officers when they were coming to take down a house. Had, had a ghost a, scout? Yeah, amazing. Really smart. It works well. Mooney's got a shotgun. great. Yeah. Denzel moves forward, and he's able to take down all those people secretly waiting for because him. Because Denzel gives him the advice. It's like cheating in a video game. Like, yeah. this is, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Now, this is where earlier we talked about, like, the budget and stuff. One of these henchmen does just a beautiful window fall. The guy falls back <laughs> in the window. This is great. But I was like... Fuck, man, that's a big budget move this late in the game. Like, that was a weird... Why did they hold on to that one? Yeah. Yeah. But hey, man, it works. I think they're trying to go out with a bang here. Like, they're trying to bring us back to, like, a Commando-esque finish or something. Oh, fuck, if only. Now, speaking of going out with a bang, unfortunately, Graham is there. He shoots Mooney and kind of walks out. So I'm like, oh, fuck, Mooney's dead? No, 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 he's not dead. Even though, by all accounts, he should be for several reasons. And he leads Crystal and the baby out of the beach house with Denzel once again playing the role of like scout slash lookout. Mooney's a hero. This is clearly what we're learning here. This man who drinks, smokes, eats garbage, and is a racist piece of shit is here to <laughs> save the day. He gets shot in the shoulder and yet he's still able He gets able shot to... in the chest. Uh, I think it is closer to the shoulder than his heart. I think he punctures a lung. He would be more gassed than he is if he is. He should be dead. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He should be dead, but he's not. He goes over to Crystal and the baby. Yeah, he manages to drop Crystal and the baby out of second story window to safety. But before he can jump down, Graham steps out of the shadows to kill him. Luckily, Graham's giant 80s cell phone rings just then, (laughs) which which causes Mooney to turn and fire, killing Graham and somewhat hilariously, sending Mooney falling backwards out the window where he rolls down a slanted part of the building and onto the beach. I laughed really hard. It's very funny. Now, my question is, who was calling Graham right then? Like so, every every character we know is here in this except, There's no except one left. We know that the only reason Graham has any kind of clout is because he has covered up why the senator died. They have figured out the senator died due to crack overdose. And he was a senator who was against drug use, yes. by the way. And so this is probably all funded and held by the party that the senator was like a part of yeah graham's a cleaner they brought him in to kind of fix the situation yes, exactly and so that's who i assume was trying to call him <laughs> timing know, on that's bad it's this, horrible this cell phone is like the size of a car phone from the 80s he's it carrying is, a fucking cooler it's yeah, got a good it's, generator it's massive when it rang it kind of almost knocked him over so it was easy <laughs> <laughs> it was really easy for 
our main character to spin around and shoot him. Oh, yeah, man. I guess we'll never know who is calling. But here's one thing I do know. Mooney's definitely dead now, right? I mean, oh, yeah. massive After heart attack. Window, yeah. yeah, massive heart attack mere hours beforehand. Shot in the chest. Falls out a window. And sure enough, the next shot we see is of a church with somber bells ringing. Oh, wait. The... Those aren't somber bells. They're celebration bells yeah. as Moody is alive and marrying Crystal. I actually kind of like this moment in the movie because they play with you, right? They are like, he should be dead. This should be a funeral. But very clearly as an audience member, you know it's a wedding. Like, I was I was like, if, if you had to pause the movie and been like, I will bet you $100,000 right now yeah. that this is a funeral or a wedding, I would have taken wedding 10 out of 10 times. And you would have won $100,000, man. Everyone's happy right here, especially me, as they work in the title of the movie on the final line. Yes. Literally, the newlyweds are posing for a photo with Denzel's baby, and Mooney reaches out to put his arm around Ghost Denzel. When one of the cops mentions to Mooney's former partner how he's got his arm out all weird. Detective Mooney's holding his arm a little funny, isn't he? Yeah, it must have something to do with his heart condition. Uh, we did it. Damn, we did, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Now, this is the part that, like, did you see the crew that is at this wedding? Uh, I, I'll be honest. At this point, I was mostly dialed out. You I'm were just ready to go? <laughs> Please end Guess this. who's yeah. at the wedding? Uh, the captain. Yes. His former partner. Yes. The fresh-faced kid. Yes. Uh, the prostitute with the fresh face kid. Okay. Which you denied still, earlier. I, they, I but they were there. That, yeah. Everyone from LA Bowl. The bowling alley? Yes. <laughs> Come on. Hollywood they are Lays? all in the crowd. Yeah. His mother, his brother, who is also holding his child. Again, I really think that's a my brother. The kind of brother thing. and mother are embracing holding the child. I you Again, I was not uh, paying attention to it. It was at the end of this movie. You know what happened? Racial harmony. <laughs> that is what the message was at the end of this movie. The heart transplant brought all races together. Well, I mean, I, for God's sakes, we end with the black and white empty-armed photo of Bob Haas, who's around no one, slowly turning into a full-color Denzel-included photo. So I guess, to your point, we've now achieved some kind of harmony. But here's a question. Even though they solved his murder and Graham is dead... Ghost Denzel is just going to be with them forever? Doomed to walk the earth watching hairy, sweaty Bob Hoskins plowing his baby mama? <laughs> is that what's going to happen here? I don't yeah. think this is the resolution they were well, going for. He wants to know that his son is taken care of and that the future for his son is great. Like He is going to put up with seeing that hairy, sweaty man bang his ex-partner over and over and over again to ensure that his child has a bright future. I mean, if nothing else, we're ending on a positive note, and we're out now. We're into the credits, and uh, again, like an odd musical choice to go out on. This whole movie is so fucking weird. It's totally all over the place. I feel like it was edited really, really poorly. I don't say that about many of the movies we watch, but it seems like the music that was put in, it seems like the sound effects, many of the cuts, a lot of the strange like dance-by-myself humor didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think we can agree that several things have gone wrong here. Like, this is not the fault of any one person. Oh, no, no. Like, to put this all on one member of a cast would be incorrect, right? It, it, this stems from the writing, the directing, the, directing, the yeah, editing. The music choices. The yeah, acting it's, itself, uh, I feel like... It's not terrible. Kind of hits what it's supposed to it's do. It's not terrible. They all, I think, do what they're supposed to. I just think everything else that's around this movie 
was super misguided. Can you see why it's widely considered Denzel Washington's worst movie? How embarrassing for Denzel. It's bad, right? Especially after Glory coming, coming out. Coming off of his yeah. Oscar win for Glory, yeah. to have this be your next picture is not and great. And I mean, he is not terrible in this. He's not. He's fine. He's, he's not a tremendously doing Denzel funny Washington person. Stuff. No, but, but he's charismatic. He's handsome. Yeah, he does what he's supposed to in this movie. I feel like he acted exactly as the part was made. And in fact, he probably brought more to it than if it was someone like shittier at acting, right? Like if oh, this sure, was a yeah. no-name person coming into this role, you wouldn't buy in the same way as if it was Denzel. We've clearly reached a point where we should segue into our ratings here because we're at the end and what a fucking pile this movie is. <laughs> um, so the way we do this, we rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 and we do it twice. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is always to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales. The perfect blend of bad and fun, as we call it, the... Crit 20. It's been a while. We've only had three movies ever in the course. Like we're 55 episodes of this podcast, only three episodes. And I got to tell you, this is not going to be one for me. I only have this as a nine bad, which as I'm <laughs> saying, it sounds kind of crazy, but like I found myself strangely invested in this. And I think it is because like, as you pointed out a second ago, the acting performance is not that bad. Like, Hoskins is pretty good. Denzel Washington is, like, pretty good. Even the girl playing the crystal, the, the hooker who who attracts both of them, she has a fine job with what she's given. And so because of that, like, as a comedy, it's a miserable failure. But I was, like, strangely invested in seeing the resolution. So I can't quite go as hard as a 10. I've got it as a 9. I don't know. Is it crazy? No. I wanted to see this resolved. Like, this was one of those <laughs> movies where... Even though it was so problematic and so much was shit about it, I wanted to see what happened at the ending. Oh my god, man. me too. I don't know. It's we, so strange. I don't understand. It's I don't so understand. Strange. So I had it as a nine bad. Oh my god, look at that. Yeah, right on top of each other on this one. Yeah. I, the plot was problematic. It's not it's great. Straightforward. I didn't like the weird like racial harmony at the end. You didn't like that. You well, wanted there to still be disharmony. Well, it just seemed to be wrapped up so conveniently. Like, of course, I don't enjoy racial disharmony, but the way that this all wrapped up in the end with all of those families happy and together, all those people from the bowling alley and his mother and yeah, all why, of those why people, would they have been there? Like. All of it to me. Bob Hoskins is going to go to the bowling alley and invite all those guys to no, the fucking apparently, wedding. Apparently, they're no, all the wedding. Like on, now, no so and it was so abrupt. The fact that the harmony was so abrupt at the end felt like a spit in the face to so many people who still continue to deal with racial inequality. Right? Like that was oh, one yeah, of those. This is not. In fact, I believe I'm pretty sure that uh, fucking what website was it? Complex ranked this as like the 21st most racist movie of all time. Yeah, and and I see that, right? Like I can definitely see that in that both the things that are said in it and the way that they are so dismissive of structural racism, like there's no way that that doesn't exist for me. So those were all the problems that I had with it. In terms of enjoyability, the acting was okay. I got pulled in, which I didn't think was going to happen. I felt the pacing was okay. I gave this a 6 out of 10. For God damn. A 6. We're actually really close here because I have this as a 5 enjoyable. Oh, so we're, yeah, we're right on we're track. We're not far this up. One, this no. is one of our closest ratings. We, yeah. Every so often we'll get really close and this is one of them. I, again, like, I, the acting performance is pretty solid. Considering what a piece of shit this was, no one's phoning it in. Like, Bob Hoskins, he has a charisma that I can't quite explain. It's my, my real problem with this, aside from all of the really poor attempts at humor, I kind of thought like a lot of the characters were sort of underdeveloped. I didn't, I have it as a five because I didn't 
not enjoy watching it, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't enjoy it, but I also didn't not enjoy it. I watched it, and I was, at no point was I like, why am I watching this? Like, I watched it contentedly, and then now that it's over, I will never watch it again. Yeah. It's but I also am not, like, upset that I watched it in the first place. That it's makes one sense. of those movies that keeps you engaged, yet is absurdly problematic. Yes, exactly, yeah. Both in its quality and in the things that happen in it, right? Yeah. Which is, which is a strange feeling as a an audience member, and I know that... We kind of come across these as we're watching movies that took place in a different time. Yeah, I think, and actually, I think based on both of our ratings, we both enjoyed this more than other things we have watched in the past. Like, it's a higher enjoyable rating than I have for at least, like, three or four movies. I think it's the same with you. Yeah, so it's clearly, not high. Like, it's no. it's, it's not a no, it's high not. enjoyability no. rating, but it's also not, like, bottom basement here. We're not, no. like... Yeah, I, I clearly would never watch this again, as happens with so many of the <laughs> movies we watch. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know that I would say I regret like going through it and watching it. Well, I definitely will not regret it because for me, I had to find a movie that would match the beer you gave me. And this actually fits. And by the way, let's just segue to the beer because I, a while ago, cracked open the double two-hearted ale, which I am shocked to find out is 11% alcohol content. And I am like legitimately drunk right now. It doesn't taste like 11%, does it? It went down real smooth. My glass is empty. But my words are becoming increasingly slurry. So Two-Hearted Ale is a sort of mischievous mistress because it tastes so delicious. It's so straightforward, yet it's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> mischievous mistress. I feel like it's got me in trouble right now. Like, I'm just like... I, mean, I need a fucking burger is what I need. It will, let's I, get some I, I food after Hoskins. this. That's a good idea. Bob yeah, Hoskins Bob Hoskins. We're going we're yeah. to go towards the heart attack after this because we're going to go for <laughs> two of the three parts of the trifecta. Yeah. Alcohol, fatty meats. But no, I wanted to say that I'm really enjoying this uh, Bell's beer. I would love a road trip to Michigan where we could uh, head and hit some American craft breweries and try to find some stuff for the show. I think that would be a lot of fun. There's apparently a lot of breweries in Michigan that are very enjoyable. Yeah, I think they have a pretty large craft beer scene, so it would be uh, worth a trip out there for sure. For us, being pretty close to Ontario, it's not too big a trip. Not bad at all. Overall, uh, the Two-Hearted Ale, I was a fan of. Like Again, not my style, but I was not having a problem drinking it. The Double Two-Hearted Ale... That's where things got a little dicey. <laughs> I mean, it, anytime you double the alcohol content or more than double the alcohol content, it can get a little bit dangerous, right? When you when you go for that, it's going to punch you a little bit more in the face, and it's also going to leave you a little more stumbly in the words. But I had fun both uh, talking with you about this piece of shit movie and enjoying this delicious <laughs> beer. Well, I'm glad we could wrap up our birthday exchange. It took a little yeah. while, but we made it happen. Are we going to do I this think, again uh, another year? Or I don't know. I don't know what the move is here. I mean, there, are, there aren't a lot of birthday-themed movies. We kind of hit it on the head with Happy Birthday yeah. to Me. So I don't could, think we force it. I think we'll figure out another way to add in some more uh, kind of... The hell with it. <laughs> <laughs> After this beer, you're done? I don't know, man. That's good. You know what? I'm glad we had this. Always nice to go kind of international with some of the offerings also. We have a lot of Ontario stuff, so getting something from the States. Nice little change of pace. I liked it. Well, let me tell you, next week we are in for a treat because, first of all, I'm in for a treat. We're moving away from this to a more a beer that's more my style. But also, we're going to be looking at our first exploitation movie of the season. Last year, it took us all the way to like the second last episode to get to a exploitation film. We're not making that mistake this year. Next week, we're going to be watching just a classic of the genre. It's Coffee Starring the lovely and talented Pam Greer. Oh, um, I'm familiar with Pam Greer for sure. 
You introduced me to black exploitation last season um, when we watched the Human Tornado. Well, this is going to be this is a very different like Rudy Ray Moore is a little more comedy oriented. This is more of like a straight up like this an action a, movie ooh, almost drama action. Yeah, so we're going to get a little bit of that next week. That'll be fun. Until then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. Uh, if you want to send us any suggestions for beers and or movies or combinations of both or either, uh, feel free to slide into the DMs of our social media or an email at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We are always looking for audience requests and feedback. But until next time, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next week on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it two-hearted. All right. Together. They're making a cardiac arrest.